God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. Hallelujah. We have been uh, going through uh, our culture here at Living Hope Family Church series. <clears throat> Every year we do that right after our anniversary celebration. And today is the last uh, in the series. We, uh, our motto is... Uh, not on the wall anymore. <laughs> Used to be on the wall there. Win, build, send, evangelize, equip, and empower. And uh, today we want to look at empowering the saints. How many believe that God has got more than enough power available to us? More than enough. That's one of my favorite phrases in, in the book of Romans. I believe it's in chapter 5. There's like four or five times Paul the Apostle writes. He says, how much more, much more, beyond what we can even ask or think or imagine, he is able to do abundantly above that. <clears throat> Hallelujah. So let's pray. Father in heaven, in Jesus' name, I ask for your anointing on the preaching of your word this morning. Pray this morning that our hearts would be open to receive what you would have us to receive. In the mighty name of Jesus of Nazareth, amen. Hallelujah. Don't be so somber. We're in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Gosh. Oh, my goodness. These, these lights turn the, le the red letters in my Bible black. Can't even find them. <laughs> That's... Unbelievable. All right, who we are. <clears throat> we'll begin with uh, Matthew chapter 28, verses uh, 17 through 20. When they saw Jesus, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And by the way, that word literally means they were at the crossroads. Are they going to follow Jesus, or are they going to go a different direction? And we know in the uh, book of Acts, I believe it is, Paul, in one of his letters, he says, over 500 eyewitnesses saw Jesus taken up into heaven. So there's, there's at least 500 people there at this, at this very moment. But by the time the day of Pentecost comes around, there's only about 120, which is sad. All these people, they stood at the crossroads and they decided, well, the resurrected Jesus is not worth it. Resurrection from the dead? Oh, oh, well. Oh, well, let's go on with our lives. Forget all about this. Can you imagine? Where in the world do these people get that mindset? But you see it in life today. As you all know, Roe versus Wade was overturned, and there's uh, rejoicing and celebration, but there's all kinds of stuff on the Internet, comments, this, that, and the other thing. And so somebody commented on something I said, uh, 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 approving it, and uh, this person wrote back and said, you Christians are, 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 you know, responsible for all kinds of uh, horrible murders and stuff, and I didn't write back because maybe those people weren't followers of Jesus that did all that killing. Who knows? In any event, enough said about that. Don't forget to vote. So Jesus... They worshiped Jesus, and Jesus came and spoke to them, and he said these words, All authority, not just some, but all authority, has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And because of that, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And what does he command us? To love one another. And lo, I am with you, he said. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I believe um, Tuesday is the 28th. The Voice of the Martyrs organization is uh, going to be celebrating two, no, three more people that were martyred for their faith. A farming couple in, uh, I believe they were in Uganda, were uh, uh, killed by somebody not too long ago. And then a young man named John Chow uh, decided that uh, God called him to go visit an island in the Indian Ocean. I can't remember the name of the island, but these people were, um, they, they haven't heard of Jesus. They're a primitive tribe, and uh, they, they killed him because he went to go tell them about Jesus. All nations, every place, we're supposed to go and try and tell people about Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but having Jesus with me always should give us confidence that we can do what God has called us to do. Can you say amen? We've been authorized. You and I have been appointed. In John chapter 15, Jesus said, I have appointed you. Say it with me. I have been appointed. Jesus has appointed you and I to be his representatives here on the earth. He didn't say it was going to be easy, though. Amen? It's not always easy. A lot of people don't like to hear the gospel. But the good news is that some people are willing to receive it. Praise God. And that's a good thing. In Luke chapter 24, verse 49, and Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus said, wait until you are endued with power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and to the ends of the earth, which could be also translated as to the end of the world. How many know the world is going to come to an end? It really will. Someday, if you and I don't uh, pass on into eternity before Jesus comes back, eventually, at some time in the future, there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. It's all going to be restored to the way it should have been in the first place. This word power, according to Vine's Expository Dictionary of Greek New Testament words, means delegated authority. You and I have the authority and the responsibility, but we have the authority to tell people about Jesus. We're not supposed to be the spiritual Gestapo, though. We're not supposed to go around pointing out sin. Hey, you, you're a sinner. Most people don't appreciate being called a sinner. But when they hear the good news, hey, you know, God loves you. I'll never forget the walking down the street, minding my own business, and a young man with a, a big Bible under his, his arm stopped me. He says, excuse me, he says, has anyone ever told you that God loves you? I said, well, no, not really. And then, uh, of course, I thought, no, God couldn't love me because I've been such a naughty boy all these years. And another time I... Down here, I was walking under the freeway. I forget where I was going. I had a bicycle. I didn't have a car at the time. And three guys, three homeless guys, come walking up the other way under the tunnel. And I think, oh, my goodness, am I going to get mugged? <laughs> so I thought, what am I going to do? Oh, okay. Hey, you guys, have you heard the good news? 
<laughs> one guy looks at me, what, did we go to war? No, 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 no. God loves you. Oh, and it changed the atmosphere. I wasn't afraid anymore. And those guys went on the way, and I went on my way. Praise God, but I thought, I really thought I was going to get mugged or something. But the good news, have you heard the good news? Hallelujah. We've been authorized by Jesus himself. Hallelujah. Who is this Jesus? Of course, we all know in John chapter 18, verse 4 through and 6, when they came to arrest Jesus in the garden, and he says, uh, who are you looking for? And uh, in the King James, the word, when he says, I am he, the he is added in italics, which means, of course, as you all know, Bible scholars, that it's not in the original language and that it's added. But what Jesus really said to them is, I am. Just like God spoke to Moses at the burning bush, God tells him, I am. And the result of Jesus simply speaking those words, I am, are those three to six hundred Roman soldiers plus a mob of people, and they fall down. Boom! Just like that. And they, and they get back up. It's like, ooh, what was that? And then he says to them, who are you looking for? We're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. And again he says it, I am. Boom! They all fall down again. And then they get back up somehow. <laughs> and he says, okay, let these guys go. I'm the one you want. And <laughs> you're not really taking me. I'm letting you take me. Hallelujah. Jesus, he said, ah, I could call down 12 legions of angels. <laughs> I would have given them a good scare, huh? <laughs> uh, just as an aside, this guy gets pulled over by a cop. He's speeding. Oh, my goodness. What am I going to do? My insurance is going to go up. The officer comes up to the car, and he says, Monsieur, uh, license and registration. Here you go, officer. Officer, please don't give me a ticket. Just give me a good scare. <laughs> Praise God. But those people would have got a good scare if Jesus would have called down the 12 legions of angels. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. So we've been authorized by the great I am, by Jesus himself. In verse 19 of Luke chapter 10. Uh, chapter 9, first of all, Jesus sends out the 12 and gives them authority, appointed authority. And then in chapter 10, verse 19, he sends out 70 more, and they come back rejoicing. And Jesus tells them, I give you authority over all the power of the enemy. If we could get a hold of that and really exercise that, and we'd see revival like crazy. I was watching some videos last night on, on the internet. Uh, anybody, everybody, anybody know who Catherine Kuhlman was? How about R.W. Schambach? How about A.A. Allen? These were mighty people of God. They've seen tremendous miracles. W. Schambach was describing a miracle he saw with his eyes. In 1957, uh, Brother Allen was preaching. And there was, they were having revival meetings week long. And this lady had driven from Tennessee to wherever they were. And uh, toward the end of the week, she comes up and says, you know, nobody's come and prayed for my baby. And uh, the little boy was four years old. As a, he said, because <laughs> Shambach was saying, somebody picked him up at the airport to drive him somewhere. And the, and the driver asked him, what's the greatest miracle you've ever seen? And he said, you and 
Let me tell you. And so he's describing what happened, what took place. He says towards the end of the week, all of a sudden, uh, Brother Allen is preaching. He says, he stops. Um, we're going to take a faith offering right now. And Shambach had spoken to this lady. And she says, I'm down to my last $20. I'm not going to have enough money to get home if you, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do. And so he takes, uh, Brother Allen takes the offering. He says, that young lady with the baby, give the baby to her friend. And she ran down to the front and threw something in the bucket. And Shambach says, I had to get up and go look. And I looked, and that was her $20 bill. And so as the service is going on, Brother Allen says, all of a sudden he stops. He says, I see a white building, a big white building. It's a hospital. And he goes in, and uh, he says, there's doctors, and there's a baby. There's 12 doctors. And this baby's got, starts counting 24, 25, 26 diseases. And this is exactly what this little boy had. And he said, and this is, to me, I hope this builds your faith that God can do anything. And he says, the little baby was blind. He says, come up here. And he started to start praying for people. And, and Alan, Brother Allen calls the lady up. And they pray for the little boy. His arms and legs were twisted. His tongue had been hanging out. He said, the first thing I saw was the boy's tongue went back in his mouth. Just like that. And then I watched and his eyes were gray and, and cloudy. And they turned into blue eyes. And he says, and then the boy's arms and legs. And he, said, and he said, it looked like silly putty. His feet were club feet and toes grew out. And he said, the little four-year-old boy stood up and saw his mom across the platform. And the first words the little boy said was, mama, mama, and ran across the platform and hugged his mom. He said there was 12 people on one side of the platform in wheelchairs. There was 10 in stretchers, and they all got up. And he said, everybody, there was about 3,000 people in the auditorium. He said, everybody got healed because of the power and presence of God was there. Nothing is impossible for God. Can you say amen? Praise God. And all of us are called to serve Jesus, to serve people, to serve in the kingdom of heaven. Hallelujah. We know in Acts, it says that the Hellenistic widows were neglected because there was so much going on. And the, the, and the apostles say, you know what? Choose some of you guys' as people out there to serve. And it says that the 12 apostles, they said, we will give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the Word, that is teaching and preaching. And what that word actually means is a Greek word, which I really don't know how to pronounce, something like proskoterio. It means to be constantly diligent and to attend continually upon by Mr. Strong's dictionary. And so I just want to urge you, Let's get a little more serious about serving God. Let's get a little more serious about praying. Let's get a little more serious about believing God for great and mighty things. Can you say amen? We're a small church, but that doesn't mean anything because the power of God can overcome anything. Amen. Hallelujah. Now someday, we're going to be sending couples out of this church to pioneer more churches. We may even be able to send missionaries out of this church as we grow. God's going to do it. Amen. 
God's going to do it. That's why we're here. Because God has a plan. And you and I have a place in it. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Called the twelve disciples together in Luke chapter 9 and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. It's such a blessing to be able to pray for somebody and have them see them get healed because God did it. Hallelujah. And then in Luke chapter 10, 19, he says, This is to the 70, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. One morning, I got up to go to work. It's dark in the house, and I'm walking through the house, and I step on something crunch. Oh, man, the grandkids were over. They must have left popcorn on the floor. So I turned the light on, and it's a scorpion. I stepped on it and killed it, and it didn't sting me. <laughs> Praise God. And that scripture comes to my mind to say, wow, <laughs> hallelujah. I'm glad it didn't sting me because I heard it's pretty painful. Hallelujah. Let's go on. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 14 through 20, talking about the body. And I'll give you a little history lesson in a minute here. Paul writes, he says, in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I'm not of the body. Now, this is kind of funny in a way, but this comes from a Roman uh, story. And one of Aesop's fables, by the way, the uh, body accused the stomach of being selfish because it took all the food. <clears throat> But uh, there was an actual, let me take my glasses off so I can read here. There was an actual historical event that took place in the Roman Empire. <clears throat> a man named Minius Agrippa, he was elected as a consul of the Roman Republic. He served for one year in 503 B.C. What was happening at that time was the Romans were being attacked off and on. They were trying to consolidate everything, but they had the Roman Senate, and those were the rich guys, kind of like our politicians nowadays. The rich are ruling. And then they had the regular people, and the regular people were being taxed more than the rich people, and they didn't like it. And so they started to murmur and rebel. And uh, the, uh, the members of the poor people, or the common people, the citizens, they mutinied, and they decided, you know what? We're not going to have anything to do with you. Uh, some enemies attacked, and the Roman Senate said, okay, everybody, um, you're going to be conscripted into the army. So they assemble everybody in the forum and start calling names out. Step forward, you're going to be in the army, and nobody responds. Nope, we're not doing it. The other thing that was happening is because of the heavy taxation People were going into heavy, heavy debt. And in those days, debt collectors were like the mafia. They'd come and they'd, they'd put you in prison. They would beat you. They would uh, confiscate your property. They would sell your kids into slavery. So it was not fun. And Meninius Agrippa, the consul of Rome in 503 B.C., he made a speech to try to unify everybody and his speech was exactly this. Because you're not a hand and you're a foot doesn't mean you're not part of the body. 
And I thought that was really interesting that Paul the Apostle was an intelligent guy. He was well-educated, and he was able to take this illustration from Roman history and apply it to the kingdom of God. It is kind of ridiculous for your foot to say, I'm not a hand, so I'm not part of the body. But the point of this is not is to say, is to when you look at yourself in the mirror in the morning and you start preaching to yourself, which some of you I know you do, <laughs> you should, <laughs> say you're a mighty man of God. The point of this is to, to tell yourself, well, I'm not a pastor. I'm not this or I'm not that, so I'm not important. Don't speak lowly about yourself. Don't speak down about yourself. Speak to yourself what the Word of God says you are. You're appointed. You're an ambassador. You've been chosen by Jesus Himself. Hallelujah. So the apostles give themselves to the ministry of the Word, and someone else was able to step up <coughs> and take the place and serve. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So let's go on. And if the ears should say, ears don't speak, they listen, right? Because I'm not an eye, I'm not of the body. Why wouldn't the ear say, uh, I'm a, uh, how come I'm not a hand? <laughs> I don't know. Is it therefore not of the body? And of course the answer is, of course it is. The whole body is the body. Without the parts, you know, you need all of your parts. If our brothers got uh, an amputated lower leg, so he got a man-made part. So he's got a part there. But his man-made part can say, well, I'm not part of the body. It can actually get him going where he needs to go. Praise God. I hope you don't mind me using you as an example. <laughs> Hallelujah. If the whole body would be an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole hearing, where would be the smelling? Why not the seeing? <laughs> well, you, whatever. But now, God has set the members, each one of them, which is each one of us, in the body, which is the whole body, not just the local church, but the entire worldwide church, just as he pleased. God can do whatever he wants. Can you say amen? And if they were all one member, where would the body be? If every, can you imagine if your body was just a hand? <laughs> Seen that movie, The Hand, crawling around? <laughs> well, you wouldn't be able to eat <laughs> anyway. But now indeed, there are many parts but one body. Hallelujah. Then in verse 21 through 27, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. <laughs> well, actually you do. I have a, a, a scar in my right eye, and uh, so I have a depth perception problem. So I'm a carpenter, and I asked the eye doctor, you know, can you tell how much uh, eye uh, vision loss I have? And he shows me a couple of things, and what do you see here? And I tell him, and he goes, what do you do for a living? I said, I'm a carpenter. He says, you missed the nail a lot, huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, actually I do, and I hit my thumb more than the nail sometimes. <laughs> Hallelujah. But I need my eyes, I need my hands to work. We need all the parts of the body to work. Hallelujah. Because when it all works together, we get things done. Of those members which we think, now, hold on a second, 22. 
Much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. Now, those members of the body which we think are to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor, and our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. We were, my wife and I were uh, ministering in children's church at the 22nd Street Church years ago, and I think we had the five and six-year-olds or the four and five-year-olds, and somehow, I don't know who did it, but somebody put a SpongeBob um, video on the TV before service or something, and they're all watching it sitting there, and SpongeBob's buddy Patrick, they're trying to get SpongeBob elected, comes sliding down a rope with a flagpole stuck between his butt cheeks, and the kids all thought that was so funny. I turned it off, I said, kids, it is not appropriate to go outside in public with no clothes on. And they were all mad. No, this is not SpongeBob. <laughs> I, I told my grandkids, the real name of the show is SpongeBob Stupid Head. <laughs> what, Grandpa? Yeah, it's a proven fact. Yale University, uh, I think it was the psychology department, they gave some kids a, a math test and then had them watch <coughs> an hour of SpongeBob. And then they gave him another math test, and they did worse on the second test. <laughs> Praise God. God, you know, Adam and Eve, they were naked and they were okay, but when their eyes were opened, they understood, this not okay. And we bestow greater modesty. Amen? Hallelujah. So, let's go on. Chapter 21 but our presentable parts have no need. You don't have to cover your face. You don't have to cover your arms and hands. Praise God. We should comb what hair we have left, yes. Praise God. But the parts that are presentable, you don't have to cover your ears in public. The parts that are less, you don't have to do anything like that. God composed the body having given greater honor to that part which lacks it, so that there should be no schism in the body. That's a German word, schism. It means a break. We get the word schizophrenia, a break from reality. Praise God. We're to honor. We should have the same care one toward another. The, 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 the point is, we may be individual members, but we're part of one body. And the thing about the kingdom of heaven is, we're supposed to surrender our will to the will of God. We're supposed to give up our rights to the kingdom of God. Anybody ever meet a lone ranger for Jesus? I don't go to church. I don't believe in organized church. And their life is usually a mess because they're not accountable. There's nobody saying, hey, you know, let's uh, go do something for God. They just want to, oh, I, I feel the presence of God when I'm out fishing. Really? Okay, well, how do you worship God out fishing? You're not thinking of God. You're thinking, man, I'm going to catch that fish. We give up our rights. One of the greatest things that I, uh, that I really enjoy is when I, when I get a new carpenter and he wants to learn instead of standing there just watching me do all the work. 
I've had, you know, I'm trying to snap a chalk line. Here, hold that. Wrap it around your finger so when I pull on it, you don't lose it. And learn. Ask questions. But not too many questions because we got a lot of work to do. <laughs> Praise God. But entry-level people, entry-level workers, when they really want to learn, they make good workers. One year we had uh, opportunity to, to build a bunch of houses up in uh, Oro Valley. A lot of houses. And I had never built houses before. I had worked uh, building forms for concrete. So I went up there and I talked to the superintendent. I said, you know, uh, I'm an apprentice. Uh, I've never built houses before, but I want to learn. And he looked at me and he said, I wish more guys would come out with an attitude like that. I said, oh, praise God. They gave me an extra dollar an hour. <laughs> praise God. Because what happens is that in verse 25, there should be no schism in the body, that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one suffers, all the members suffer with it. And if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. So when we, we have success in the kingdom of God, we win souls, we get people uh, to uh, begin to be released into ministry and do what God wants them to do. We rejoice when we have success. We don't want any, sometimes there'll be friction, but we don't want it, any break. We, our purpose is to win the lost, raise them up as disciples, and Get them to do what God wants them to do. Praise God. <clears throat> Which leads us to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 5. But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions. Say, what? Endure afflictions? What? I thought the kingdom, you know, I thought God loved me. Why would I have any afflictions? Well, if Jesus suffered, why would we not? Why would we not? Why would we be... Uh, excused from having any problems. Most people, after a while, they realize life is full of problems. If it's not one thing, it's another. But thank God that we have help. We have Jesus on our side. We have a hope of eternal life that if in this life we have no hope other than Jesus, we're the most miserable people in the world. Can you say amen? But glory to God, fulfill your ministry. If you don't know what your ministry is, pray about it. If you, if you get an idea, come to Pastor Wayne and say, hey, I got this idea. Sometimes Pastor Wayne will come to you and say, hey, we have a need. We have different needs in this church. And thank God that some of you are fulfilling those needs. I remember reading a book about pioneer pastors in the... <laughs> All through the book, he said, yeah, I got my, uh, my scepter. It's the plunger for the toilet. <laughs> I'm the ruler in this church. <laughs> I got my scepter. Somebody has to clean the toilet. Somebody has to, uh, you know, clean the floor, put the chairs up and uh, trash out. Somebody has to do the paperwork. Praise God. And some of you are fulfilling those needs. And praise God. Thank you for that. Hallelujah. Fulfill your ministry. And then we will finish up with this. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. Paul writes to Timothy, and we can 
apply this to ourselves. I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering or patience and teaching. Anybody, I don't know about you, but uh, I, I work with some ungodly people. <laughs> this one young man, every other word out of his mouth is a cuss word. And, and somebody asked him, can you please calm down a little bit? And he got all upset. You're not my dad, and, but we're men. <laughs> well, just because you're, that, that doesn't make you a man because you can cuss. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> Anybody can cuss. In fact, the Bible says their mouth is full of cursing. Maybe one of these days I'll be able to show him. Anybody know what a Dutch uncle is? I, somebody made that expression to me many, many years ago. I was a teenager. It was one of the neighbor ladies down the street. She was an older lady. She says, oh, I'm talking to you like a Dutch uncle. And I said, what? Said, I'm telling you like it is. I can talk to you and tell you this, that, or the other thing. So one of these days, I'll hopefully be able to talk like a Dutch uncle to this young man and tell him, you know, look to Jesus. When we, we, uh, I helped him uh, get his voting rights restored, and I said, listen to me. This is important. The book of Proverbs about wisdom, it says, let another praise you and not your own lips. Don't be boasting about yourself, how good of a carpenter you are, how great you are, you know, that you're, you're an apprentice and you can run circles around everybody. Maybe you can. I don't know. I've never been on a job site with them. But don't, don't be boasting about yourself all the time. Let somebody else boast about you and say, hey, this guy, we want to keep him around. Hopefully, I'll be able to speak into his life. Amen. And then I have another coworker. He, one of these years, I'll be, or one of these days, hopefully soon, I'll be able to ask him. I asked him one time what he believed. He said, oh, I believe in, uh, you know, aliens. And really? Well, what, what kind of evidence do you have for that? The evidence I got is an empty tomb over in Jerusalem. Amen. So let's go on. Preach the word, convince, rebuke, exhort with all patience and teaching, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Sounds like America today. They will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. I don't think that's the scripture I wanted. No, it's not. That's okay. Chapter 2, it was the one, not chapter 4. Because Paul writes about, <laughs> writes to Timothy, let me look it up here real quick, about being enlisted and being a soldier. Second Timothy chapter 2. Verse 1 through 5. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. <clears throat> and the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will all be able to teach others also. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. We're at a war. Can you say amen? 
no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. And also if anyone competes in athletics, he's not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. The Olympic Games have been going on a long time. And I read back then the wrestlers would sometimes wrestle to the death. The referee would declare the winner because the winner was able to hold the other guy down and poke his eyes out. Pretty brutal. They were supposed to take a vow that they had trained. And if they found out, if the officials found out that the athlete was lying, that they didn't do what they said they were supposed to do, they'd give them the death penalty. Can you imagine? Nowadays, if you, if you, uh, you know, you take, uh, uh, what do they call them, uh, performance-enhancing uh, drugs, you're not supposed to do that for the Olympics. <clears throat> Nowadays, they just take your medal away. <laughs> Back then, they would kill you. <laughs> oh, praise God. But Jesus has enlisted you and I for the kingdom of heaven. We all have a place to uh, play or a part to play. We all have an appointment. Jesus is coming soon. I hope you are ready. And I believe everyone in here is. But this morning, I want to close in prayer. If you have your Bibles with you, open up to Isaiah chapter 62. And some people will say, well, this is only for Jesus. No, actually, chapter 61. But I believe we can claim this for ourselves. And in verse 1, it starts out with these words, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has appoint, anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. I believe that you and I can claim this for ourselves. Amen? God wants to use us. God wants to use this little church, and I believe God is using us. Amen. But there's, if, you, if I can ever give you a word from God, it's this. The best is yet to come. Amen? The best is yet to come. So we're in a warfare. We're going to struggle a little bit. But we have supernatural help. The God of the universe, the great I am, is with us. He promised he'll never leave us, never forsake us. And to me, that's good news. We have hope that we can make an impact in this world. However you, God tells you to do it, do something, anything, and God will help us.